So let's talk about your next patient, the 36-year-old man. Okay. So 36-year-old gentleman who presented not that long ago with change in his bowel movements, some GI bleeding, abdominal pain, was worked up as an outpatient and was found to have an obstructing lesion in that we could not pass his colonoscope past this sigmoid cancer. So his workup showed CAT scan, which had a very large lesion. It was six, seven centimeter lesion in the right lobe of the liver. And when he presented, he really was uncomfortable. His belly was uncomfortable. He didn't have an acute belly, but it was uncomfortable. So the debate is, okay, he has sigmoid cancer with a metastatic lesion to the liver. Is this someone who should go right to surgery? Do we treat? But because of his GI symptoms, he went to surgery and we did a laparoscopic sigmoid resection, which went really very well. And sure enough, this tumor had had some small microperfs in the mucosal surface. He was staged as a T4 or certainly T3. He had two out of 22 lymph nodes positive, but there was certainly a lot of serositis going on. So something acute had been happening in that sigmoid colon. His biopsy of the liver was also done and it was not Surprisingly, it was cancer. So following his surgery, and he was really out of the hospital in two or three days, he recovered quickly, got eating, bowels returned to normal. We started him on full Fox chemo, and six weeks after surgery, added Bev to that and treated him with a, you know, an intermittent scan which showed reduction of this tumor. And the tumor is really is a single lesion, but it was the location of the lesion. It's really abutting the hepatic artery vessels coming into that right lobe of the liver. But be as it may be, after 10 cycles of treatment, because again, midway through, it still was not a resectable lesion. So we gave him more therapy, which he tolerates pretty well. He never really complained about much, though he shared a different side of that with us today. And we looked at his scan again, and the tumor was really markedly better, but still close. It looked like it's kind of around the vasculature, hitting the right hepatic lobe, but if we can separate it from there, which would require a complete right hepatotectomy, he may be surgically approachable. So right now he had a portal vein coil and embolization just yesterday, try to hypertrophy the left side. He's going to have a repeat scan in a few weeks and then attempt at surgery. And he'll start out with certainly a laparoscopic look, make sure that this bad tumor that was in his sigmoid. He doesn't have peritoneal or cirrhosal implants. And if he doesn't, then at least an attempt or a look at trying to remove the right lobe of the liver to remove his cancer, because there is no disease that we see on the left side, will be attempted. So you mentioned that he's starting to have some problems with his chemo? Well, he never really complained about it, but the topic came up, will I need more chemo? after the surgery, we brushed upon it. I kind of come to the impression that he's been a warrior. He just has come in, he's done his treatment, doesn't complain about much. But in reality, emotionally and physically, this has taken its toll. You know, the cancer, the diagnosis, the fact that I'm out of work. He and his wife are from Turkey. They don't have family support here. Financially, it's been a drain, any number of things. So he also is aware that this is a stage four disease that more likely than not, will not be cured. And he doesn't want to spend his last days receiving treatment that you know may keep him... I got the sense. He, he's okay. If we know that this is something 
that I'm not going to really give him a 20 or 25 or 30 percent chance of cure, he's okay with taking his life and spending it with his family back home. Whether that's the direct side effects of the chemotherapy or the emotional side effects of the chemotherapy is kind of difficult to separate, but they're there. It's real. So his case does bring up the question, Johanna, of the optimal systemic approach to a patient in a sort of conversion kind of situation where you're hoping to shrink the tumor down to allow surgery. And this man got full Fox bevacizumab, which is certainly a common choice, probably the most common choice. But I wonder if you could kind of go through that in terms of what we've learned, for example, in the last year about this, Johan, in terms of use of a biologic, which one, you know, EGFR antibody. I assume he was KRAS wild type? He was KRAS mutant. So, oh, he so was KRAS mutant. Cetuximab okay. was not going to be an option for him. Okay. So, but I still, I think it'd be interesting in the KRAS wild type patient where we are today with that, Johanna, and particularly the issue of full foxeria in this situation. So I think there's multiple potential treatment options to look at in terms of conversion therapy for this gentleman. I think with what he received, full fox bev is what most patients receive in the United States in this setting. We have seen data with full fox plus cetuximab for KRAS wild type patients from the new EPOC study that was done in the UK that suggests that full fox plus cetuximab can actually worsen outcomes when given neoadjuvantly to patients. We've seen data with full fury cetuximab from the CRYSTAL study looking at conversion rates for resection, which I think are very reasonable. We've seen data with full fox eerie compared to full fury giving us a higher response rate that then allows more patients in that particular study to go to potentially curative surgery. And then most recently, we saw the TRIBE data, which was a randomized phase three study of full foxiri plus bevacizumab versus full fury plus bevacizumab. And this was given chemotherapy for a maximum of 12 cycles followed by maintenance therapy to try to look at the safety and outcomes in terms of progression-free survival with full foxiri versus full fury. We did see an improvement in progression-free survival, probably because you added the oxaliplatin into that regimen. Interestingly enough, we also saw an improvement in response rate, but we did not see an improvement in conversion to resection candidates for the liver patients, which was, I think, a bit surprising. That also being said, people wonder if that might have just been the particular sample. Was there some sort of imbalance there? Because we also have data from the Olivia study, which was a randomized phase two, where we did see some improvement in patients going to potential surgical resection with full five Oxiri plus bevacizumab. So, I mean, I think the door's a little bit open in terms of what people are using to try to convert patients to resection. For this particular patient, you know, I was thinking about the full foxiri when we were sitting there talking with him, but also on his follow-up scans, his surgeon noticed that he was developing a little bit of fatty liver. And that also limited the amount of chemotherapy he was getting and also the reason they decided to move him to surgery right away and not approach more intensive systemic chemotherapy just because of those liver changes that they were seeing. Anything else about this man that you would want to comment on? I saw in your note, Dan, that you were thinking about liver-directed therapy in him. Yeah, I did. So last time I looked at the scan with his surgeon, I was thinking, is there anything else we could do to maybe make this smaller? Too close to the vessel for radiofrequency ablation, 
I don't know what they're doing with these nano whatever. And he did not think the yttrium spheres would be helpful. It's an odd location, and that's the problem, is if we've been able to kind of remove it far enough away from the vasculature of that area. Yeah, it's interesting. I wish we could show the image. So Dan was nice enough to pull up radiographic images for the patients when we were seeing them. And his tumor is sitting right up against the right hepatic artery. I mean, it's going to be very tricky surgery. Anything new in terms of liver-directed therapy, Johanna? Dan didn't have a current patient with hepatoma for us to talk about, but we were going to try to bring that up. Maybe now would be a good time to do that. What about liver-directed therapy and HCC, as well as in colorectal cancer, but more HCC? Anything new there? And how do you go about yourself deciding in HCC whether you use systemic therapy or liver-directed therapy or both? Yeah, so HCC is a little different to me than colon cancer just because the systemic treatment options are really not great. Whereas with colon cancer, I can usually get at least some shrinkage of tumor for those patients. So I tend to, if the patient is amenable to liver-directed therapy for a disease like HCC, try to do that. Multiple different types are available really depends very much on the presentation of the patient from radiofrequency ablation for smaller size tumors, not next to major arterial or vascular structures, and then to chemoembolization, which I think is very reasonable, but I tend to use radioembolization over chemoembolization because I personally find it to be less toxic than chemoembolization. And you can also use it in the setting of portal vein thrombosis where you cannot with chemoembolization. I think there's been a little bit more resurgence of trial data and trials that are being done going back to good old hepatic arterial infusion, again, mostly out in New York, but people still looking at hepatic arterial infusion for liver-only disease, primarily around colorectal cancer. So I don't think that that option is completely dead either. Anything new in terms of systemic therapy of HCC? Any new agents? We've had serafinib out there. It doesn't seem like anything else is coming on board in the near future. We're waiting for some clinical trial data, ramaciramab, which we've already spoken about. We're waiting on some data from a randomized study with ramaciramab and HCC. We are waiting for data from tevantinib for patients with CMET high HCC. Onartuzumab is being looked at in combination with serafinib in a phase two study right now. And I think there's also an Azi compound E7050, which is a tyrosine kinase inhibitor that inhibits both VEGF and CMET, which is being evaluated in liver cancer. So I think that there's agents that are early on and being evaluated, but I think we still have some time left before we see some results. It'll be interesting to see with the ramucirumab because I believe there's a trial out there looking at it in HCC as monotherapy. And that was one of the things that really interested me about the gastric story, that they had seen these results just with the ramucirumab alone. And I believe that's the way they're looking at it in HCC. Correct. They are looking at it as single agent in HCC. And then, of course, I did forget, and I should mention for Ghassan Abu Alpha, that we are looking at, in a randomized study, serafinib versus serafinib plus doxorubicin, which I've heard some rumors has been showing some impressive data. Hmm, that's interesting. 